This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton. Delighted to be joined in this weekend preview by two former Manchester United youth players, Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence. Um, Phil, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Wayne. Obviously, I had a little bit of bad news um, in terms of uh, my football um, in the last couple of days. Um, had a bit of trouble with an injury that I was suffering through with pre-season. Um, went for a little x-ray just to sort of double-check and peace of mind, and, and they found a small fracture uh, in the side of my foot. Um, so that's obviously going to keep me out for a while, but then I've, I've also found out that... Um, I've got a snap screw in the bottom of my leg as well from when I broke my leg. Uh, so sounds a lot worse than it probably is. Um, but yeah, just going to obviously have to have a bit of time off and, and just waiting to hear back now from the specialist in regards to, you know, how we go forward and, and what the plan is to sort of get myself back to, you know, where I need to be. Uh, but yeah, other than that, mate, everything's going really well. Just having a bit of time off, obviously, you know, six weeks holidays for me um, off school. So just enjoying a bit of time with the family and, you know, a bit of time to sort of wind down, but always, you know, busy with stuff to do in the house and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, looking forward to the start of the football. Obviously, that's been a um, a big miss for me. I've uh, been waiting for some um, proper football. So, yeah, looking forward to the start of the season. Yeah, best two days of the season at the minute until yeah. we kick off. We've got all the hope until Sunday afternoon, um, yeah. at which point... <laughs> See how everyone else gets on first and then, you know, might yeah. make us feel a little bit better. Um, yeah, well, anyone yeah. who knows anything about your career, Phil, will know um, you've got tremendous fighting spirit and you've overcome worse in your life and career, so I'm sure you'll be yeah. back to banging some goals um, very shortly. Well, shortly enough. I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not your doctor. I'm not your doctor. <laughs> Um, uh, also joined by Lee Lawrence. Lee, how are you doing, mate? How's your summer been? All good, mate. Yeah, all good. Uh, we all look like we've not got a job, to be honest, don't we? Doing it at this time in the morning on a Friday. Um, but uh, it's the the one day, really, and I don't know how long I've had a day off today. So, fortunately, we've been able to uh, to get the podcast done this uh, this morning because we've been all filled off to Old Trafford watching the cricket life of luxury now uh, after his, uh, his injury. So, just nice to do it in the morning and not the evening. Uh, 
so glad, like Phil said, that the, the Premier League's back. Uh, with with you know with the women's football, what a, it's been fantastic to watch. It probably kept us all sane until the Premier League's come back on. You know what I mean? So I'm just glad that it's back, mate. Looking forward to this weekend watching the games. Um, and we'll see how we pan out. Still not overly optimistic about the season, but um, I'm sure we'll dig into it. New manager, new beginnings, new philosophies. Hopefully, uh, you know, if we don't see a, uh, a better place placement in the league this year, hopefully we'll see a bit more fight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Keane normally hosts the show. He's not here today. He's not very well. Um, but we obviously send our well wishes to Keane. And if you're watching... Get well soon, mate. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, so I can watch because I enjoy watching <laughs> this rather than hosting it. I'll tell you. That's, I always enjoy talking football with you guys, but I also enjoy watching and joining the conversation as well. Um, yeah, so um, if you're watching, please like and subscribe on, on YouTube. If you're watching live on Facebook, feel free, and on YouTube as well, feel free to get your questions in and comments in, and we'll get to as many as we can. If you're watching the replay as well, please feel free to say hello because we still comment and reply to the comments that we get and if you're listening back on the audio podcast please be sure to um, subscribe and review on the platform you're listening on we got up to 4,000 subscribers um, yesterday which is an amazing achievement so thank you to everyone who's supported the channel we were obviously we keep saying it all the time we were the number one independent rated United last season so it means a lot that everyone keeps watching and listening and enjoys what we're doing um said so we try and be non-controversial we try and just be honest and give the insight of the former players um as well as our own um we're just really privileged to have you guys spending time with us and uh, talking football with us um so we're obviously going to preview united versus brian that's what we're going to get into discuss some of the summer and obviously we are at this point in the season where the Premier League starts today. We've got 48 hours where we can dream that we're going to win the league before Sunday hits us with the painful reality. But I wanted to start by really going optimistic and going straight back to the best opening day memories that we've got of um, Premier League history for United. So I, I conducted a little bit of a shortlist and I put it to the lads earlier and... I mean, if you're listening back, if you're watching on the comment, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments in on this one to talk about what your favourite opening day was. Your favorite. Even if you're watching on Twitter, I know we can't get the comments on Twitter, but feel free to join in the Twitter feed with the with the comments of uh, what your favourite opening day uh, win was for United. And I actually put in, I, I put a list of six to you guys, and two of them didn't actually include wins. The first one that I put in was Villa 95, where we lost 3-1. Nobody likes to remember defeats, but everyone remembers that game because of the, the famous, you can't win anything with kids after. And um, the 2-2 game that I had with, um, that I had, I had on the list with Leicester in 1998, which was the first game after the World Cup where David Beckham scored in the last minute with a free kick. In fact, all of these games, the first three games I've got on the list, were all remembered for David Beckham screamers. And it's the middle one, Wimbledon 96, which you guys have picked as your um, favourites. Or oh, you both picked it as your favourite opening day win. Um, Lee, I'll come to you first on this. Really, the game is memorable for David Beckham's goal from the halfway line. So... Um, everyone who's associated with United has different memories of this because it was such a symbolic 
um, goal. It was way before the time of social media. It was the kind of thing where they were talking about it on the news, so everyone was going to have to tune in at to match the day of the night um, to, to watch it. Tell me through your memories of that and why that stands out as your favourite opening day win. Yeah, like we said, we had a chat uh, just before we come on screen in our little group about, uh, like you said, the topic of the best opening uh, opening game with United. And it's just the one what has always stuck in my head. Uh, my signs, my first contract with United, I think it was 92-93 season uh, at nine years old. Um, and what they used to do uh, when we was training up at the Cliffs or at Littleton Road or wherever we was training, <clears throat> the young lads who was breaking into the first team used to come and put sessions on for us, you know, half an hour of the evening. Uh, it was part of, of the material and the build-up then at United. Um, and one of my, one of my more vivid memories of David Beckham was he used to come and put quite a lot of sessions on for us uh, as a young lad just breaking into the first team. And when he scored that goal from the halfway line, it was just, wow, you know, he was he was our coach, you know, basically for a couple of sessions the week before he's just done that. And now he's on the biggest stage as all as a, as a young up-and-coming footballer. Um, and to score a goal, which I'm sure for most people is, uh, you know, it, it'll be engraved in their mind as one of the best Premier League goals ever, you know. Um, that's why it's, it sticks so, so vividly in my memory that, as a young kid at nine year old, the, one of the up and coming stars scored that goal, and you know it's 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 one of the memories I'll I'll, I'll have for a lifetime kind of thing. Um, but just going off that, and going on to another season, and I know this sounds silly because it's probably our worst season in Premier League history. But um, the five one against Leeds, I remember I think it was in the podcast we were we were so optimistic that season. We just signed Varane, uh, we had Ronaldo back, we Bruno scored an hat trick. Pogba looked like he was on fire. Um, I think we come on. The, we, we was all optimistic it was going to win the league, <laughs> you know. So that as, as an opening day game uh, and the enthusiasm what we, we showed on the podcast and uh, the belief we actually had in the squad, you know, that's I know it's a bit of a curveball because of the position we finished, but that's another one where if we're just going on opening days. It'll be one of my favourite opening day matches with what, what sticks in recent memories. No, absolutely, and, and not just because of that, because of the fact that fans were back filling the stadium for the first time for a couple of years, and it did really have this... I didn't go to Leeds, but I went to Newcastle a couple of weeks, obviously, Ronaldo's first game, and there was this sense of enthusiasm that um, I hadn't been around the club for such a long time. Uh, Phil, obviously, you've picked, um, you've picked Beckham, Wimbledon, 96, and I guess your memories are going to be fairly similar, right, of, of like being around the club. So talk to me about this because you've got a period. I mean, this is the most famous goal possibly in Premier League history, but certainly of that decade. It, it absolutely changed the face of the Premier League that something like that could happen, that he scored a goal like that. And for the four years before that, Cantona was the main man, right? Cantona was the one who sort of took United, it made them the headline team. Everything that Cantona did was headline news. And this was the first time since that since Cantona arrived that really I know Giggs had been a top player, but this is the first time someone had done something that really resonated around the world. Beckham had made himself a global superstar from the minute he kicked that ball into the net. And what was it like as a as a local lad watching someone who was come through the United Youth System score a goal like that? The, I mean, he's basically transforming the entire dynamic of what you're all following as United players. It's transformed the entire expectation, right? Does that does that scare you a little bit, or does it make you more eager to get your chance when it comes around? 
Yeah, obviously, similar to Lee, I think um, 95, 96 was when I sort of joined the club. So, obviously, coming into the club and, you know, at that period with a lot of the young lads trying to break into the first team and then Beckham obviously scoring that goal, it, it was incredible. Um, obviously, for him, I think it sort of put his name out there. Obviously, such an iconic goal. It's going to be seen worldwide. And I think, you know, that sort of put... Manchester United on the map even more so across across the the world and um, for us young lads looking up to players like that, as Lee said you know sometimes they'd come and do some sessions so you can see it and you can obviously like interact with them and then you you're actually watching them do do that kind of thing um, on the big stage it's it's fantastic for young lads who are trying to aspire to to be you know the next. Um, players that are coming through who want to try and break into that first team and it gives you that sense of well you know if he can do it and and sort of you know he's you know doing exactly the same journey that we're on then it gives us that opportunity and that hope that we can eventually follow in the footsteps um but no I think you know obviously for Beckham I think he obviously went on then after that goal you know probably all eyes are going to be on on him for for quite a while and and sort of understandably so after scoring such a technically difficult goal um and as i say for me as a young kid i'd never seen a goal that was scored like that i mean there's probably been goals similar to that or you know he probably wasn't the first person to ever score from the halfway line but i think the way he did it and obviously the the technical difficulty and the awareness that you've got to have to be able to sort of you know pull off something like that um and the audacity really to even attempt it is is you know hats off and and you know obviously his career you know everybody knows David Beckham he's a world superstar and I think that was the moment where you know it, it sort of you know kick-started his, his career so it was it was brilliant to be at the club at, at that point obviously the, the young lads came in they all got uh, the opportunity you know when people were you know writing them off and it was so good to see that you know they, they proved everybody wrong and, and it was the sort of Man United way to, to trust in the youth and give everybody um an opportunity if you if you're good enough, um it doesn't matter how young you are, you know, you, you can be playing in that first team and you can be, you know, producing the goods like they did. Yeah. It's interesting the the story, the origin of Beckham scoring from the halfway line. I can't remember exactly the the exact month or year when it happened um, but I'm going off a story that came up for um, the Becker the book that I wrote on David Beckham a few years ago so Kevin Pilkington was telling me a story when they play I think it was Berry at Littleton Road and um, he tried to score he tried to score goals like that before you know he was always trying it and it came off in one game but, uh, but the reason why he tried it in this particular game is that on the bus it can't have been the story that Kevin tells is that they were on the team bus before, and it might have been maybe the week before, or it might have been like you know, like the days before for something. They're on the team bus and the video was playing, so it might have been grandstand or something. You know, where they would show stuff that had happened in the world of sport, and someone in Spain had scored from the halfway line. Obviously, these kind of things you didn't always see them back home, but obviously, because that was scored from the halfway line, it must have made again headlines around the world and it was shown on grandstand and then yeah, within a week, Beckham was scoring one against Berry, and obviously kept that in his mind. Jordi Cruyff had tried to score one like five minutes earlier from about 45 yards, and I think that's um, 
probably what planted the seed for Beckham to try it. But yeah, it definitely changed changes entire career from that moment because he was an England regular. He never he was never dropped after that. And um, yeah, I mean, Spice Boy and all that sort of stuff. All all of that followed in that season because of yeah, he, he just basically walked into that um, that headline space that. Cantona was going to vacate at the end of the season and um, yeah, never gave it up until well, probably hasn't still given it up he's <laughs> still a headline act, isn't it? Um, Keane's put in a comment in the thing, which is would have been my choice as well, uh, beating Fulham 5-1 in 2006 with Rooney and Ronaldo shooting up the media and tearing Fulham apart everyone remembers that season uh, the Summers World Cup was um, Rooney and Ronaldo having a bit of a an issue with each other. Um, Rooney coming to the tournament struggling with an injury. Um, he was sent off against Portugal. Ronaldo with the wink and everything like that. There was the rumour that Ronaldo was going to be sold. Ferguson just said that's definitely not going to happen. And on the first day of the season, they were in that first half, they were unbelievable. And they were always linking up with each other. They showed that um, everything was fine between them. Lee, you're absolutely right with the 5-1 uh, against Leeds last time round. And also... I can't forget Bolton in 2003 where Ronaldo came off the bench to make his debut. Nobody knew what to expect. Why have they given this kid the number seven shirt? You guys have already talked about your early impressions with Ronaldo last season on pod when Ronaldo came when he first came back. So you'd already seen a little bit of him, but he's still only been at the club for a couple of days. And I don't think anyone knew that he could do something like that. No, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you too, Wayne. Uh, it, Gonaccio's performance in the last game reminded me a little of a young Ronaldo, as in yeah. fearless, uh, you know, not scared of the occasion, uh, took it in his stride, looked like he was playing like he was playing every week for the 23s. You know, I, I'm getting a getting a little bit excited watching him the other day. I think uh, it could be the next the next big thing. Hopefully, if he gets his head down and keeps his nut down, I think he could uh, show in shades of what Ronaldo showed early doors. Yeah. No, yeah, he was fantastic at the weekend game, and that's the big thing that you look for in the in the youngsters when they break into the first team is that composure, isn't it? You know, are they are they comfortable like actually taking the game? Are they proactive with it, or are they looking for the, the safe pass? Which again, he's never he's not a criticism. It's you're assessing that player's confidence yeah. level to break into the side, and it, sometimes they do take the safe pass, and you can pr- praise that as well and say it's good economy of possession, it's good responsibility, but he. His dribbling ability, someone likened him to Kanchelskis and I see where they're coming from in that he doesn't release the ball when he dribbles. Even when someone goes in and they tackle him, he can. he's still able to keep hold of the ball after that. And yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly a player that you would hope is being kept around the club. And from everything that Ten August said, it looks like he's going to... Um, um, yeah, Keane says he's more like Eden Hazard. Yeah, that's a very good. It's a very, very good call. Um, he's he's got that low centre of gravity and he keeps hold of the ball in that way. Yeah, um, Keane mentions about Zidane Iqbal. Really impressed him with composure in the middle. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about um, first before we move on to the transfers, ins and outs, and whether or not Ten Hag has been put in the good position to start the Premier League season. Um, Dean Anderson's comments. He's gone out on loan. So I want to talk really about Dean Henderson and um, Alanga possibly going out on loan. Dean Henderson has gone out on loan. It is still a loan move, right? He's only gone to Forest on loan. 
and he talks about oh he didn't want and we all know we've seen these comments i don't know if you guys have actually seen him but he's actually said the, the words we've seen him say the words so we can interpret the way that he said them, the way that they've been delivered he's talked about oh he, he wanted to make sure that he moved before because uh before tenog got the chance to see him because you know i you know he'd want to keep me and i don't want to waste another year of my career I'm just wondering from your guys' perspective, obviously it's frustrating. He's a great goalkeeper. He's got a lot of talent in there. A little bit of me finds that a little bit disrespectful to De Gea because, you know, De Gea's still a top-class goalkeeper. It's all right having confidence in your ability, but you don't have a God-given right to play any game of football. You're still bound by what the manager thinks and they can they can prefer someone who's not better than you. I, I personally think De Gea is better than Henderson, but we, even accounting for it, his faults. But it, it's for a player who's still contracted to the club, first of all, I found that quite surprising. And second of all, for a player who is not guaranteed to leave, he's still got to come back at some point and, and sort out his future. It just seemed baffling to me. Um, Phil, where did you stand on this? He's, oh, it, look, he's a great goalkeeper. He's got a lot of confidence. Where, where did you stand on what you said? I, I think, obviously, there's two ways of looking at, at this sort of scenario for me. And I think, obviously, from Dean Henderson's perspective, obviously, he went out on loan to Sheffield United a few seasons ago. He had a great season there. He came back to the club probably expecting, you know, maybe not to be starting every game, but he's probably been told, listen, you've done really well. We want you back. You and De Gea are sort of there now to fight for that number one shirt. And for whatever reason, he's never really got given that opportunity to to have a long run in the team. So I, I can understand his frustration and I can understand from his point of view that it's not great that he's, you know, just sat on the bench and he's playing the odd game here and there. Um, but as you say then, you know, the comments that he said as he's, as he's still contracted by Man United, he's still getting his wages paid by Man United. He's gone on loan to Forest now to sort of, you know, try and get regular game time, which is fine. But I do agree, and I think the comments that he has made are very disrespectful and probably a little bit of sour grapes, really, because if you look at, obviously, De Gea's performances last year, he, he, he was our, one of our players of the season. Um, so I think, obviously, that decision um, has, has been proven right, that De Gea was the number one. And, you know, last year he... he did really well for me. It was probably one of his better seasons in in more recent times. I think he's not been at his best in the last sort of three or four years from what we we was grown to expect from him. But I think last season he sort of um, turned the corner and started you know producing some of the stuff that we we know he can do. So yeah, it, it's it's a strange situation. I think you know obviously this this sort of frustration levels from him have just been building up, building up. And because, you know, he's he's finally now gone to Forest and he's, he's feeling like he's going to play, I think that's just all come out in that interview. Um, obviously, we don't know what's been said behind the scenes, whether he has been promised, you know, game time or whatever. But even if he has, as a professional footballer, sometimes that that's what you've got to deal with. And that's, you know, what happens. You, you can't just throw the toys out the pram. You've just got to keep working hard in training and, you know, being professional, and if you do, you you do get the opportunity. You've got to try and grab it with both hands. For a goalkeeper, that's literally what you've got to do. You've got to take it and you know try and keep that you know number one spot. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that at United. So, 
yeah, we'll just have to see how he gets on. Obviously, you know, he'll probably play a majority of the game to Forest. Um, you know, if he has a good season and comes back, will the comments now have already, you know, you he, he might have to, you know, move on after this because I can't really see a comeback after the way he's been and what he said. Um, because I think he's lost a lot of respect from from fans and from you know probably his peers at the club. Yeah, it is a difficult one, isn't it, Lee? Because I mean, De Gea is still coming towards the end of his career. Um, I, yeah, he's 31, 32, so he's still probably got two or three years. It's that catch 22 situation. Is he close to the end? Can he still go another three years? And you can sort of see Anderson's frustration with that, but he is burning his bridges. Um, Keane says he can see where he's coming from because Solskjaer gave him false promises when he signed the new deal. But then again, you know, yes, that's true, but he got COVID and, you know, he had to play the here from the start. And Solskjaer, if anything, for all of his faults, and he had many, he did give the player a chance to prove himself. And De Gea never disproved himself after he was in the side. So you're not just going to drop him for the sake of it. Um, where do you stand on it? Because it's obviously it's a sensitive one. It's a very difficult um, thing. Like Phil says, he's right and wrong on both sides. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive believer myself. Like you just said, you, you should play not by your name, but by uh, you know what you do on the pitch, play on merit. Um, and like I said, the game when he come in, he, for me, he was undroppable. Yeah, he does make the odd few mistakes, but where would, how many times last season did we say, where would we have been without Ronaldo and De Gea? You know, it was it was our two best players, in my opinion, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I can I can completely understand that the frustration about if he has been told, you know, he was going to come back and he was going to be number one. Obviously, he's going to be trying to push for an England call-up, um, so he wants to be playing regular. Uh, I completely understand where he's coming from on that, but I'm a massive believer in if you do go out on loan, you don't disrespect your permanent club. Um, don't don't use your mouth to, to you know vent your frustrations. The the best way of doing it is just you know go on loan, keep quiet in the media, uh, and if you do believe in your own ability that much, you know let your ability show your permanent club when you come back that they've made a mistake by sending you out on loan. And when you do come back, make sure you get that number one spot. You know um, don't don't disrespect them by venting silly stuff what could potentially harm your position in one of the biggest clubs in the world when you come back being the number one goalkeeper for many, many years, you know, to come. Yeah. Um that, that that that's just how I how I see football. There's so many so many times last year that we all got frustrated with like to Lingards and people like that who was using the mouse too much and you know it's it's changed from when we used to play. And they they get a lot we we mentioned anything like that under Sir Alex Ferguson, and we knew the consequences. It's you know it, it's no secret we would have would have been out of the club, um, and that not that didn't matter who you was from being a young lad to being you know the best. You started disrespecting the club and disrespecting the manager's decisions. You would have consequently you you would have been gone, rather it be on loan or you would have been gone fully. Um, they get too much uh, freedom these days to to talk in the press about. You know the actual feelings were like I said, just believe in your own ability and show the manager and show the club that they've made a mistake and they should have put you in. Yeah, I think, um, I think just on that way, and I think nowadays when you look at it, the player power um, is is ridiculous because, as Lee just said, when we was at the club, you know, if there was any grumblings or any players who were unhappy or you know whatever, 
the, the dressing room wouldn't allow it to, to come out of that dressing room or, you know, people like Roy Keane and whoever, you know, the big senior characters would, would deal with that in-house and, and it would never come out into the press. Whereas nowadays it's, you know, it's not just Man United, it's, you know, loads of different clubs across Europe and, and across the world. The freedom of speech now, they can come out and say whatever they want. Um, they, they don't respect, you know, the club. They just want to, you know, do things for themselves because, you know, of all this social media influencing and all this kind of thing. And it, it's gone sort of uh, in a completely different direction to what, you know, myself and Lee and, you know, players who, you know, played sort of 15, 20 years ago. It, it's just a, a crazy um, media frenzy now with everything and every little detail, that, you know, gets out there and, and it, it's sort of change for the worse, if, if I'm being honest, but yeah. Yeah. Um, another player who's not gone out on loan, um, but there was talk that he might, is Alanga. Now, he's, got, he's played 27 games last season. There's still a couple of doubts in the front line as we start the season. You know, Ronaldo's future, Martial and Sancho with the fitness in the first few games. Where they're talking about him possibly going on loan, I'm interested to know what you guys would do in this position because there's still obviously this prevailing suggestion that he's not really of the top quality. There's a lot of concerns about his first touch and everything like that. And then you've got the other side of the argument, which is he's had his opportunity. He's had 27 games. He's been around the preseason. He's in the thoughts of the new manager. If he goes, he's out of sign, out of mind. And then if he comes back and, you know, he really doesn't develop in the same kind of way. Except, you know, there are certain things that you both know as professionals, you can develop your technique so far. And he doesn't, you know, I think he could improve with the experience, don't get me wrong. And he could improve to find his place in this side and be a better player in this team. My concern is that if he goes on loan, because he's not really top drawer, he loses that momentum and he comes back and he's you know he's all completely lost his place in the squad and he's his future's basically over at the club in his position you know cuz everyone's still saying that united need another striker you know you would think that let's presume ronaldo stays i know we'll talk about him in a minute we've got a few comments in the comments about him um but assuming ronaldo stays and you've got martial rashford sancho Garnacho maybe now fighting for a, a space in that front line. Chances will be fairly limited. He'll be a squad player. Do you take a loan to develop maybe as a first-team player in a lower-reaching Premier League club or an higher-reaching Championship club? Or do you stick around and, and try and benefit from the momentum that you've already got? Lee, in, in his position, if the opportunity came up for a loan, what would you do? Uh... I'm not sure. The uh, reason I'm saying I'm not sure is because we're still all unsure about the Cristiano situ situation, which obviously we're going to come on to. Um, I think if Ronaldo leaves and we don't sign another striker in the window, we are going to be quite thin because the only real out-and-out -out striker we're going to have is Martial. And we know he's injury-prone and we know he blows out and cold. Um, a little bit worrying for me at the moment about the uh, the situation we've got, that it's not been sorted out quicker than it already has. Um so that that's where it becomes it becomes hard and a bit technical for me. I think, like I say, if if Ronaldo does stay, we have got quite a decent, you know, set of lads who can who can fulfil different roles up there. And if that's the case, then yeah, if I was a Langer, I'd probably have a look at um, 
developing myself at another club. I'd want to sign for another Premier League club. Uh, just give me two seconds. Phil, what would you do? Oh, I'm back. I'm oh, back. Please, back. Okay. The, the, the Continue. Dog the dog just nearly threw a wobbler. Um, sorry. Um, so, yeah, if, if that if that was the case, um, I'd probably look at going to a lower Premier League club or even a mid-table Premier League club. He's got what we're seeing when he first comes onto the scene. And this is what I hate what we do as fans. We bring a young lad in yeah. and automatically we, you know, he has a couple of good good games and we, we put him on a pedestal up here. Um, it's not fair on the lads, you know, they come in raw, they come in, um, no one knows much about them and how they play, you know, um, and inevitably they do quite well. And then the more games they get, people become familiar with the, the game style and the play and uh, they get knocked down off the pedestal, off the fans a hell of a lot. Not just yeah. not just the bit, and that's surely like Phil just mentioned to, to this day and age with um, social media uh, and how much do in the spotlight. That must knock the confidence as a young lad so so much, um, and it, it's it's a crying shame really. Um, but yeah, for me, he's got all the raw but he's got the raw talent, so he's got the ability to be a, a top forward player. I'd probably let him go and develop uh, elsewhere and see what he see what they can get a season of him somewhere else. What would you do, Phil? I mean, 27 games is nothing to be sniffed at in the first team. Um, you've had that opportunity. You're in this position where if you're out of the squad, you're potentially out of the manager's eyes and it's a new manager as well. You know, you've got other contenders in these wide roles, which Langer likes to play in. He's not really probably... Yeah. The likelihood is he's not going to make a central striker. Um what what would you do in that situation? It's really tricky, I think. But, um, yeah, I think from from a personal point of view, if I'm Anthony Langer, I I want to be playing football. I need to be playing football regular, week in week out. Now, when I look at the players that we've got in the positions that he's been playing in at this moment in time, for me, I actually think he's probably third, fourth choice. Um, so as a player, and and for me personally, I'd be saying right if I'm not going to be playing regular fo- regular football, I want to you know go somewhere else, and I want to try and make sure I can play at a decent level. I want to play regular games. I'm at an age now where I'm still learning, but I need to still be playing in order to do that. Because uh, I think last year, I think it was a an awkward situation. Like this is not me having a pop at Anthony Langer by any stretch of the imagination, but I think. Last year, I think fans and and maybe some of the media got a little bit overexcited with him because of how poor he was last year, yeah. um, and the fact that he just came in and gave a little bit of effort, and he he had that spark, and he was trying to lift the crowd, and and he just was doing the basic stuff, really, what you'd expect from all the other players. But because they weren't doing it, and he was, I think everybody else sort of got a little bit carried away, maybe with with you know you know, what he was about and where he was at at this moment in time in his career. But to be fair, you know, every time he plays, you can't knock his work rate. You can't, you know, ever doubt his his passion and his, his desire. I just actually feel at this moment in time, uh, when you look at the players around him and, and probably at this moment in time, is he going to be playing regular football at Man United after what we've seen sort of in pre-season and with the players that we've got back fit now and who look, um, you know, a lot sharper and fitter. Uh, and have a new lease of life 
probably not. So for me, if I'm Anthony Langer, I'm I'm saying right, send me out on loan to a um, you know a Bournemouth or you know someone who's in the Premier League who's you know I'm going to be playing regular football and I can try and prove myself and and sort of come back in six months, twelve months time with you know another year's experience of playing Premier League football and also you know hopefully you know I've done well. I've shown you, you know, what you've been missing or what I can do, and now I'm I'm ready to fight for that position and and you know, come back and and hopefully that that'll be where we we are in sort of twelve months time with him because I do think he's got ability as Lee said he is still a little bit raw, he is still rough around the edges a little bit but as as you know you only get better and you only improve by playing regular football making mistakes learning from it and just trying to sort of you know, keep working hard, which he does. You, you can see from the kind of person and the kind of lad he is, you know, he's got that work ethic and desire to improve. I've seen loads of stuff on social media. I'm in the gym and he looks absolutely, you know, ripped. So he's doing all the right things, just needs to keep playing and keep his head down. And I'm sure he'll be back um, and in, in the sort of uh, plans uh, moving forward. Yeah, um, Keane says, I think he should go on loan. If he has a Lingard, Lingard-esque season on loan, it could benefit him. Um, Bournemouth under Parker could be a shout. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we'll talk about the club's transfer activity. We've got a couple of comments in on Ronaldo. Ronaldo should get out of the of United, says Rocksteady. He's killed off his legacy at the club now. don't necessarily agree with that, but... Um, I, I can understand why he's upset a lot of people. Uh, Richard says, Ronnie should have done all his talking and posturing behind closed doors, not on the pitch. Makes him look petulant. So, lads, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to try and roll it up into a ball where we talk about Ronaldo, De Jong, the general transfer activity. I know that you talked generally about the transfers with Keane as well on, on last week's pod. So we don't need to retrack a lot of those steps. But I am interested, like we're on the eve of the Premier League season. I personally think, I'm not trying to lead you into any answers, I'm just giving my opinion on this. I think that, you know, Ten Hag's obviously given his list of transfers. Um, Ronaldo, his own future would have influenced a lot of that. And I don't think that before the club went to the Far East and to Australia that they were expecting that he was going to drop this bombshell on them, that he was going to leave. They were obviously planning for other areas. I think that they set the stall out quite early to make De Jong the primary target. I think the club have been fairly consistent in the way that they've chased that for him. I think that's very much led by Ten Hag. He said that he wants the player. A lot of people are coming out and complaining that we haven't said that we want a backup player for De Jong. But I think it's such a precarious situation. We don't have really a lot to offer. We're not in a strong bargaining position apart from money. We can't offer him Champions League football, so the best way to appeal to him is to really appeal to his ego, especially if he's going to leave the club that he's always supported, which is Barcelona. You've got to really say that this team is going to be built around him, which Ten Hag has tried to do. So it doesn't make any sense in saying that we have an alternative lined up or at least briefing that to the press because he's going to make, he's going to undermine our own position in that game. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, people are still complaining that he's dragged on this long. And um, apparently the club set a deadline earlier in the week for De Jong. Um, they said, you know, we'll, we'll pay a certain amount of what he's owed in terms of a, a signing-on fee. Barcelona have sort of like, they've held out firm thinking that they can play 
you know, they've pulled all these levers or whatever, so they think that they can just hold on and really make United pay the full amount. Um, Chelsea are being used as a name to try and force United's hand with that. Um, and it is all really revolving around these two players. And you mentioned it earlier, Lee, about the concern if Ronaldo goes that United are light in that area. The consequential argument is do you build a team around Ronaldo who's not really mobile? We saw under Rangnick, he couldn't. He can press. There's no. There's no doubt in his work rate. If he can see that there's goals in there, he's not going to sniff up the goals. So if that means working, he's not shy of working hard. Um, but you can also see why Ronaldo conflicts with what Tenag is trying to build in the system. When you look at the interplay that you've seen from Martial and Rashford in pre-season, so it's a tough one. I'm, I guess the major question is, do you think that the club have been fair with Tenog? Do you think that it's been it's a transfer policy that's been led by Tenog in in the preseason? Do you think that um, they've been right to push? I mean, I think that their hands are tied a little bit with what Ronaldo's dictating with the transfer. <clears throat> I think they're trying to be fair and say if an offer comes in, it can go, but they haven't had a proper offer in yet. Um but they are still pushing for De Jong and everything seems to be held around him. What, are you, what is your assessment, Lee? I'll come to you first on this, on how the club have handled the, the bigger part of the transfer structure. Because obviously, Malasia, Martinez, Ericsson, fairly sensible transfers. A lot seems to be riding on Ronaldo and De Jong. And how do you think the club are handling that? It's It's, it's been a, a conflicting one for me. Um, don't get me wrong, I think what I've seen of Malakia, we knew what we were going to get from Ericsson. By the way, I think Ericsson is a fantastic signing. I really, really do think he's going to be one of the surprises of the season. I think he's going to be outstanding for us. I've always thought he was an outstanding player anyway. Uh, I watched him quite a few times at Brentford, what he did against us. Um, when he played against us, he absolutely battered our midfield. I think it's, a, it's a, an excellent signing. Um, Martinez too. I think the, the, all three signings what we've done are going to strengthen our squad um, and going to make us a better team. Um, is it going to push us on much more in the league? As of, if we only get no more signings, we only get these. I would say possibly not. I think we needed another two to three, you know, world class. Well, not even world class, but good, good signings. Um, what would fit fit into the squad um, to, to push us up the league? The De Jong situation, I'll be quite honest, it's doing me head if I'm being if I'm being 100% honest with you. I think it would be a great signing. Um, I think we've pursued it miles too long. I understand there's a lot of complications with the money what's owed and De Jong's club at heart is Barcelona and all this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, we want to, as a club, move on and, and, and get to where we need to be as soon as possible. We need to be signing players this season, which will take us up to the next step. I'm not saying win the Premier League. I don't think none of us, no one expects us to, to this year, Tenag, to come in and form a, a team what was going to get us competing against City and Liverpool. I think that's unrealistic. Um, but I did expect us to formulate a team which would be pushing top four a lot more than we've pushed it this year. Um, whether we're going to do that with the signings we've, we've made, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not overly optimistic about that. I say I think the manager is the right manager to bring him. What I've seen in pre-season, his philosophies, the way he is, the what he expects, I like. You know what I mean? I think he's a, he's a good fit for the club. Um, 
and what we need moving forward. I think he will bring in the right players. Is he getting the backing? I'm not 100% sure. I hope he is. I just hope he's not just signing players. It, it looks like he doesn't want to sign players, should I say, where he's being driven to sign them just to get names in, which we said at you know, the end of last season. We don't want to sign these big names anymore. What's not going to do much for us? I'd rather sign, you know, I've never really heard of this. Is it Sesco who we want about signing as a, a centre-forward? be honest, don't know who he is. But if he's a Tenag, if Tenag's asking for him and he believes in him, sign the guy, let's have a look. Let, let's put our belief in the manager. Um, you know, we, we could quite easily go and sign someone for 80, 90 million. Big name in the world of sport. And, you know, he's, he, he doesn't do it, but he's not the right fit for the club. I don't want to see them. That, them signings anymore. I want to see the right fit for the manager and for the squad. Um, Ronaldo's situation, it's its an odd one. We, we've, we've all said on the podcast all last year, we, you know, we was we was absolutely made up. He'd come back. He's got, you know, look how many goals he scored and he's, he's nowhere near, let's be honest, he's nowhere near the player he's been um, nowadays. He's, but he was still our most dangerous player. Um, I would have liked him to have stayed another season to have that option up front as a striker. Um, but I think an unhappy Ronaldo and a Ronaldo what doesn't want to be there is going to have a detrimental effect on the squad overall in the changing room, um, the attitude and the plays. Personally, I think now, as it is, he's made his feelings clear. You know, he, he still wants Champions League football before he retires. Um, he's still ambitious. If it were me, I'd probably be looking at letting him go and, and trying my best to replace him with a young, hungry striker. I said, I this 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 young lad, this Sesco, maybe let's have a look at him and, and see what we what we've got. Because although Martial's been fantastic in uh, in preseason, and to be fair, he has been fantastic. What I've watched him, his hold up play, his movement yeah. off the ball, his attitude, he looks like a completely different player. Yeah. But it is preseason, so we can't get too excited about it. And we've seen from the I don't know how many years he's been at the club now. It's very hot and cold, so I don't think we can just rely on having Martial as our as our main striker. Um, so yeah, uh, Ronaldo's situation. I don't think it's as bad as he's ruined his, his status at the club like the the previous guy said. But I can understand his frustration with it. I'm frustrated. I'm sure everyone's frustrated with it. Um, maybe it's time to move him on and uh, start looking at a young fresh striker. I can't understand why McNeil didn't get a chance. To be honest, in preseason, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a bit. Obviously, he's got a great record in the in the 23s and there's a lot of noise about him in and around the 23s. I'm not quite sure why he didn't get a chance to have a look at him. That's, that's one more for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I hope that he's going to get a chance in the Cups and the, the Europa League because, like you said, I think that striking is a, a very, very peculiar area of the pitch, isn't it? Because it... You can forgive a lot of rawness in a, a striker's game as, as long as they're good at striking the ball. I remember Makeda when he first came in, he just had the instinct to score in, so he was getting games on that. Yeah. Whereas Welbeck didn't really have that instinct to goal scoring, but he was still he was more persevered with than than Makeda was. It's a funny, it's a funny area, but the instincts which McNeil seems to have, you would think if he has the temperament to handle that step up. But we've not seen that yet. That's the big question. Um, and he's still quite young, so we, we can see. Um, a comment before I come to you on this, Phil, that from Mike Pierre. Um, he says, there's no reason to believe United are still not a reactive club. Should there be a post-art money will be thrown at transfers two months too late again? 
by the way, greetings from sunny Cyprus. And Richard says, hello from tropical West Gorton. And yeah, we're all in the tropical Northwest here, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, Phil, um, you're not in tropical Cyprus, but um, talk to me about, I mean, the, this is a very big um, point that's been made as well. I mean, Richard says it there, it's Arnold's and Myrtle's first big test they, this window. We are indeed watching them. And we are. Um, it does at least seem to be led by Tenog. He seems to be laying down the law. Everything seems to be happening the way that he wants it to happen. Um, having said that, De Jong is dragging. Ronaldo was still not really completely clear. I think that the, there's a very strong rumour that he's going to be announcing that he's going to be staying or, or there'll be some kind of comment to that effect over the next 48 hours. But I think, I don't know how, how happy people in, in the main are going to be with that because what we can see over the last four or five weeks is that he's, he's tried not to stay. Um so, yeah, oh, a nice comment before I come to you, Phil. I saw Phil play for Droyles not long ago. He still had it. Um, so, there you go. A nice a nice comment before. Oh, look, I... look at Phil all happy now, look. <laughs> Never lose it. Never lose it, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, go on then, Phil. Talk to me about what your, your assessment of, of in, in the main, <laughs> the young and Ronaldo. And do you think that it's something that Tenog has, has led or... Or do you criticise Arnold and Meto for what they've for what they've done? No, I, I mean for me, I, I pretty much have the same views as Lee. Um, obviously, the manager's been he's had his heart set on signing Frankie De Jong. I think he knows the player really well. Obviously, from his time at Ajax, he seems like the type of player that I think we would um, benefit from having in. But if obviously the player's stating that he wants to stay at Barcelona, and there's all these other things going on in the background. As, as Lee said, it's dragged on now for, for quite some time. And for me, I think there's other players available who, who we probably could have, you know, put a little bit more energy into trying to pursue rather than, you know, De Jong, who was never really going to, you know, be able to come without this £16 million uh, payoff getting sorted. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously for me now, you know, I'd cut ties with that. And I'd, I'd just be looking at, you know, can we get in somebody else who, who could potentially do a similar job? I think, you know, there was names <laughs> around earlier on in pre-season. There was Tielemans and Ruben Neves and players like that who could potentially have been available. But obviously we've left it that late now. It, you know, you, you're probably going to struggle to get someone like that through the door. Um, but yeah, obviously I think the club will t- still try and pursue De Jong um, because obviously at Ten Hag's, you know, really, you know, set on on bringing him into the club. So if they can come to some sort of agreement, then great. But for me, I think it's it's sort of uh, ran its course now, and I would be looking, you know, to to maybe try and get someone else in. But the Ronaldo situation, obviously, for me, difficult one. Everybody know knows my feelings on Ronaldo. Um, you know, he's my favourite player. I, I absolutely love him, but I feel as though he's not. Um, dealt with the whole situation um, in in the the best way he could have done. Um, obviously knew he wasn't going to have Champions League football at the end of last season, so he had all that time to to sort of you know sort out if he wanted to go and play Champions League football and go somewhere else. I think obviously not going on the pre season tour and all this sort of you know 
mystery about whether he's going to be staying, going or whatever uh, hasn't hasn't really helped the club um, because now we're obviously in, in limbo with, you know, start of the seasons here and, you know, we've not really got a, a striker if he leaves. So, um, yeah, for me, I would personally, if he wants to go, let him go. Obviously, he's got that drive still to play in the Champions League um, and that's, you know, what he's heart set on and you can't really you know blame him for that but i just feel as though the way he's dealt with the whole situation it, it hasn't been ideal um but yeah if he obviously does stay you know what you're going to get from him he'll he'll score you 15 20 goals no problem in the premier league um but again it, it's whether ten Hag wants to play him in that system and again we've we've touched on you know it's he's not really the player that he used to be, he will still work hard, he'll still press, but he's probably not going to fit the bill for what an ideal centre-forward look, would look like in that system for, for Ten Hag. Um, but again, you know, he's probably the one player um, in world football who, who you could probably, you know, let off with not having to, you know, do stuff because you, you know he'll guarantee you them big moments and he'll, he'll guarantee, you know, them goals where you need someone to pop up and get you a goal. Um, but yeah, other than that, obviously we've got Marshall who's had a good preseason, but Lee's touched on it as well. They're saying injury prone and blows hot and cold, so you you wouldn't really want to hang your hat on him being, you know, the main striker all season. Um, but this this Sesco, I mean, I've I've seen glimpses of him and he looks, you know, really really um, top class from what I've seen. Obviously, seen the game against Liverpool the other week and he he looked brilliant against them. Um, again, obviously he's only a young lad; he's going to be raw, but for me, he's got massive potential, and if we can get him through the door, I think that'd you know bolster that area of the pitch. And you know, I wouldn't you know begrudge him coming into the club because I think again it adds quality into that you know top half of the pitch. Um, you know, there's more competition for places, and you know with the amount of games that we're going to be playing this year, um, we're definitely going to need that. So yeah, if we can get him in, that'd be great. See the the problem I see just before touching on it too is. A lot of the forward players that we're getting linked with at the moment, and we've been linked with all season, if you like, from you, Anthony's, now we're getting linked with Ziyech, uh, Memphis, about the return. <clears throat> they're all wide players. You know, they're not out-and-out strikers. And I, I, I just, I, I can't get me head around why we're not looking for a proper, proper number nine instead of keep going for, you know, your, your wide rights, you can, you know, play as a false nine or, you know, and things like that. But for me, we need to be looking at it. I don't know how many's out there, if I'm being honest with you. And that might be the reason we're struggling because it looks like we've missed out on the ball with quite a few of them. Um, and what's left now are any better than what we've got. But for me, we need to sign a no-to-note striker, not a wide player who can be converted. Um, I'm just wondering whether they're looking at your likes of your Anthony's and your ZS's and people like that, thinking, well, can we still convert Rashford as a, as a no-to-note centre-forward? But is that going to work? Does it, for me, he plays better on, on the... On the on the wings or wide than he does as a, as a centre as a centre yeah. forward. So I think that's where the, the confusion's coming in at the moment, you know. Yeah. I think I think as well, because obviously like Bruno as well last year played in that sort Both of like nine, yeah. nine role. And like obviously a lot of people have looked at City and the way they've played for a few mm. years without a proper number nine. I think now because if you look around world football at this moment in time, there's not that many, if any, 
world-class number nines available that you could bring in. Um, like the likes of and people like that's already gone. You know yeah, what I mean? So, There's no one available, really, is there? Yeah, so I think that's why people are having to sort of look at, you know, players who maybe are a false nine or an inverted winger or, you know, an out-and-out you know, a player who can play in any positions across the front three because there's not really anyone who, who stands out for me at the moment who you could say, right, we need him, he's a proper number nine, he'll get you 25 goals a season. I can't think of anybody who's I available. Well, so, on the last podcast we had, we were trying to, we were still thinking about it on the last podcast, weren't we? And we, yeah. we was even mentioning you like your Tammy Abrahams and people like that, but would yeah. you want to bring a Tammy Abraham? You know, is that a panic yeah. buy? Do you know things yeah. like that? It, it, it's, hard, it's hard to get your head around, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I definitely agree with you both. A lack of top strikers is um, not there. Maybe we should have got Phil when he was knocking him in for Droylston. Oh. <laughs> chance missed there. Uh, we've um, so we've got Brighton on Sunday. Um, obviously, I previewed this with Paul Parker on the Monday podcast. They're obviously a team, they're a really good test for Ten Hag in his first game. You know, they've got the profile and budget that we should be dealing with comfortably, but. Um, we've seen over the pre- previous seasons that they've always given us a good final trap, but they've always played well. They're really good at keeping the ball. And obviously, they battered us down there in one of the worst games that we've ever played in our history at the back end of last season. Um, but they've lost Pisuma, um, a player who, we, in the comments section, it's already been suggested we should have been in for, and it's a, it's a great shout. Um, obviously, his ongoing legal issues, I think, is probably why United are a little bit resistant. and and Spurs took that gamble, which is up to them. United didn't do that. Um, but his loss from Brighton means that they won't be able to play exactly the same style. Graham Potter's still going to have them trying to dictate the ball and the players as much as they can. At Old Trafford, even before Ronaldo scored um, that goal, they were they, when they had 11 men, they were playing really well and they had to go down to 10 men for us to really creak home a win. So it's going to be a really good test for Ten Hag in terms of how his philosophy of play um, is effective against the top coach in in the Premier League. Um, It's not like one of the really top teams like Liverpool, which is going to be waiting in the next games. Um, But it is a really good test in the first game. Um, I guess I'll ask your guys' predictions for... I know Keane does the team lineups with you, so I'll ask you to predict your team and then... Tell me how you you think the game's going to go. Um, Phil, I'll come to you first. So you want what team lineup and the yeah, team give us your one to eleven. How you think the formation will, will go, and then how you think um, the game will go. Okay, I think the back four. I'll be um, De Gea. Sorry, goalkeeper De Gea, and then back four: Dallo, uh, Maguire, Martinez, and Shaw. Um, I think the midfield. Um, I think the midfield is going to be a difficult one. Um, obviously, I think Ericsson's done really well um, in in the preseason games that he's been a part of. But I think first game of the season he'll probably stick with um, Fred and McTominay um, and probably Bruno. And then obviously the the front three. Going off, depending on whether obviously Ronaldo's staying, is Martial going to be fit? Um, I'd say Sancho, Rashford, and well, yeah, I think it'll either be one of the two. If it's Ronaldo, if he's staying, then I think he, he might start. Obviously, if Martial's fit and Ronaldo's not staying, I think he'll start. If none of them are available, 
I think it'd be possibly then you'd have to look at, you know, juggling it around and, you know, whether Alanga stays, does he come in and then you put Rashford down the middle or do you play Bruno as a false nine? I think a lot will depend on obviously what happens and obviously the, the sort of stuff that will be said obviously in the next day or two about Ronaldo and who's fit and stuff. But yeah, I think that'll probably be the, the, the starting eleven for me if, if everybody's, you know, fit and well. Okay. And, and what do you reckon in terms of how the game's going to go? I mean, like I said, Brighton have always done well at Old Trafford in terms of how they've played. Um, yeah, I think I think I've, I went to the uh, Brighton game last season at Old Trafford and, and thought he played quite well for a large part of the game. Sort of frustrated us and, and obviously took a while to break down. But um, yeah, I think I think we'll have enough to, to win. Um, I think with it being the first game, I think obviously there'll be few nerves and obviously you just want to get three points in that first game regardless of performances but um yeah I'm gonna go for a 2-0 2-0 win um I think Martinez coming in will, will give us that a little bit more um aggression at the back and I think you know from what I've seen of him he looks like somebody who's you know really he reminds me actually of uh, Gabriel Heinzer yeah um I think he, he's similar in in the sort of uh, respects that he loves getting stuck in. He's, he's technically quite good. He's only quite small, but I think he's got a great leap on him, and I think he'll complement um, playing with Maguire and, and possibly you know Varane at some point um, really well. So yeah, looking forward to seeing him. Um, Lee, um, you're eleven, and how do you think the team's going to go? Yeah, but very similar to what Phil. Um... What Phil has just chose really. I've I've wrote three teams and crossed two out, and then uh, just before we come on the the podcast, I, I've gone with what I think uh, is the sensible option. Um, so I've gone obviously the game in nets. Um, Dalot as I don't think no one criticised Dalot more than me last season. I thought he was terrible uh, in pre-season. Again, he's looked like he's had a new lease of life. He's looked uh, sharp, they're completely different player to be honest. And I hope he makes me my word because. What I don't understand with United fans is we we rip people that much that we don't want to do don't want them to do well and we don't want them to get back to form, which it it's crazy. It's crazy, you know what I mean? Surely we've all got the same ambition that like like Maguire last year, he he got absolutely a new old torn in him because, you know, but then when he does have a good game, people don't acknowledge he's had a good game. It's still oh, he's not good enough, he's not good enough. So I'm glad and I hope to God it proves me wrong because I want him to be a world-class right-back, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'd love to eat my own words about it. So, going with the lot right-back. Uh, I'm glad you said that, Lee, by the way. I'm really glad you said that because that doesn't get said enough that, you know, everyone's quick to criticise, but we are all meant to be supporting the team and the players. Surely we want them to do well. I'm, I'm really yeah, glad yeah. you said that, yeah. Go on, anyway, that little right-back. I think they'll keep Maguire on the... He's been playing on the right, hasn't he, in pre-season? Yeah. He's looked comfortable, uh, um, and he's, he, again, like I've just mentioned, he, for me, he's been one of the players of pre-season, um, and I did give him quite a lot of criticism myself last year, and said he wasn't, you know, he didn't look like he was going to come back to form, be good enough. But again, he's had a great pre-season. It, you just have to watch his uh, highlight reels. Uh, don't watch the full match; just watch the reels of him on the ball, spraying the ball from centre back. The distribution, what he can do, is superb. You know, yeah, he has got his faults, and he's a little bit slow off the mark. But if we've got another centre-back like Martinez, who looks a little bit quicker, a little bit more bullish, a little bit more about him, the type of centre-back I love, by the way. Um, you know, they could complement each other well. So, uh, it and could make up for Maguire's, you know, lack of pace. So, I've gone for Martinez uh, on the left at centre-back. Um, 
because Shaw didn't travel on the last game, so I didn't play. I've gone for Malakia at left back. Um, really like the look of him. Really, really like the look of him. Again, he's a young lad, um, but it looks like he's got the right attitude and he's going to be the right fit for a Tenag system and a Tenag team. So I've gone for Malakia. Midfield, it's a, it's a difficult one. Like I say, it just it's all dependent on what. It looks like Martial's out. I think done it. I think it's it's it, they say Martial's a definite for being out now. I think so. Yeah. So I think uh, going off it, I, it was either Bruno was a false nine, like Phil said. That was my first team, but I've gone with what I think he'll play. I think he's going to put Fred uh, in the midfield as a as a defensive midfield player. Uh, he's had, again had a lovely preseason. Um, every manager picks him for a reason, um, and I think he's shown over the last, especially the last half of last season. And what he's done in pre-season, that he probably deserves his place to the, the lads that we've got. So I've probably put Fred in there. Um, I'd like to, I'd like him to play Ericsson. Uh, so I've got Ericsson and Fernandez uh, in that midfield with him. I'm a little worried that could get overrun, um, but that's what I've gone with. And then up top, I've gone with Sancho on the right. Please keep playing him on the right. He's a, he's a right winger. Don't keep converting him over to the left. Play him where he. Him and Dal all linked up fantastically well on that right-hand side in pre-season. I'd like to see that uh, relationship flourish, hopefully. Um, a tough one for me, is it Rashford or Ganaccio on the left? Um, I've gone with, I think, I believe he'll play Rashford, uh, just because of the the experience what he brings. So, I put Rashford on the left and I think he'll he'll, he'll bite the bullet and put Cristiano up front. Yeah. So far. And how do you reckon the game's going to go? I mean, tough like we said, tough to first test for him against a team like Brighton. Yeah, it's, it, it, could, it could go either way, mate. I'll be honest with you. Um, the team need time to cement and, you know, to, to, to get to... I, I hope we get to a point where we have a consistent start in 11 instead of swapping and changing and players playing with one player at the side for one minute and playing... You know what I mean? They don't get that time to gel. I hope to God that over the next, you know five or six games, we start seeing a, a familiar start in 11. Um, and hopefully when we do start seeing that, we'll start seeing some relationships being formed and, you know, start playing as a team. But I think it, it, it's it's a toss of the coin. I think it could go either way. I think we've got the players to, to, to just about, you know, edge Brighton. So I'll probably go for a 2-1 win. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, I don't want to end the podcast on a downer, but you can remember Van Gaal's first pre-season going... So fantastically, when when the football was being played in it was like three four one two or something like that, and we were playing with wing backs. It was amazing, and then we played um, Swansea on the first game of the season. We played this wing back formation, and it went horribly wrong in the first half. So he was already changing the formation by half time. And I don't I don't think we'll see that with ten up, but um, it's just a reminder that pre season can go well, and then. Um, can then go tits up when, when the real football starts. Um, Richard predicts a 3-0 win for United. Very, very optimistic. We're going to be up for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're going to have a very um, atmospheric Old Trafford, which you're definitely going to get for a first a manager's first game for sure. And Mike says it, he thinks it's going to be easier that versus Brighton um, than, than we are anticipating. Comfortable 2-0 win with Rashford and Sancho to score. Um and yeah, I guess that's another thing to um, sort of put into the factor is the fact that um, they have lost Pissouma. The midfield is going to have a completely different dynamic. Are they going to be able to? I don't think they've replaced him with a, an out, um, an outside signing at least. 
in terms of midfield. So um, they're going to have to adapt the way that they play and United might be able to take advantage of that in the first sort of 45, 60 minutes. It'll be very interesting to see um, for sure. And um, yeah, hopefully United are going to win. I'm not making any lineup predictions, Keen. <laughs> or, or any score predictions either. I don't do that. I'm um, too anxious as it is without um, having my having people come back at me and say, ah, you got it wrong. I get enough wrong. I get enough Let's wrong. Wait, wait. I don't think I've got one right yet, mate, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Phil's the one who always gets it right. Yeah. Um, one last yeah. question. I'm going for so hopefully that can get me off the mark straight away for this season. I'm sure Keane said he was going to actually do like a little competition this year with uh, predicting the scores and stuff, but yeah, we'll just have to see. I'm happy with the, I think 2-0 sounds about right for me, first game. Yeah, and, and Lee went with 2-1 right, so make sure Keane, if you're watching this, make sure yeah. just watch the last couple of minutes and, and get the... Um... And get the scores off the guys. Mike says if people forget Maguire is technically a very good footballer. He can pass and bring the ball for it. Um, Keane says they're going to keep a table for it. That's great. And he's gone for 3-1 United, which is uh, three goals. Very ambitious. But we have been scoring them in pre-season. By the way, for everyone watching, in the comment in the uh, description of the, of the channel today, there's the Fantasy Premier League. Um, so join in there. There's a code in there and the link. So you can just join in there to join in the our talk of the devil's fantasy football league i'm not again i'm not playing that because i i know that i will lose and there's no point in me putting it in because I, I refuse to pick city and liverpool players which means i'm already destined for lower middle table um yeah. i just can't do it like people do yeah. it and they want you know the I, I actually looked at my team the other day and i was thinking to myself I'm horrible because I've not actually picked any United players because I'm a bit <laughs> unsure about who's going to be playing or like, you know, whatever. And then I looked at my team and I was like, I had Haaland, I had Alexander-Arnold, Salah, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm just thinking of the points. I'm I'm obviously a, a bad supporter by not having any United uh, players. I, 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 think, I, I think just what to, before we go, I think uh, going off, you know, you think it's going to do well. And I think Sancho could surprise us all this season, watching pre-season. Yeah. I think Sancho... Yeah. May uh, may be one to watch this season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. With that. I agree, definitely, definitely. on that. Um, and and not only that, because I think you obviously you got Rashford and you got Rashford looked really good in preseason. Yeah, Martial obviously did as well. But Sancho's almost like depending on what happens with Ronaldo, Sancho almost becomes the main man in that front line if Ronaldo goes. Um, in terms of what's expected of him, so it could be a, yeah, and he did do really well in preseason. So um, you could see why. Um, expectations right for him, and yeah, I, I'm with you, Lee. I hope that he starts from the right because he's 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 link up play from that side has been brilliant, and yeah, we will see, we'll see. Um, if you've enjoyed watching, um, please give us a subscription and a like on the channel if you haven't already, and feel free to comment in the comment section to tell us what you thought of the podcast. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please, please, please subscribe on the platform you're listening on, and I know that. It, it's a bit more difficult to do on the audio platforms because it's a bit of a, a ball ache to sort of go and review. But if you can, please do, because it really means a lot to us. I will be back probably on Sunday night for the um, the first review game, uh, the review podcast of the season with Kyle and probably Andrew and maybe Harry, might be someone else. 
I'll be back on Monday morning with Paul Parker to go on um, to our regular Monday morning podcast. I might even join up with you guys next week because I was meant to be coming on tonight with you too with Keen. Um, so I might do that as well next week with Keen. Hopefully Keen will be well enough to host. Um, I hope I've been a decent enough standing. We will be back next week. Um, stay well, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And um, enjoy United this weekend. The football is back. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.